Jimmy Burns from Melbourne, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. The Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. We originate from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. The barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday. Hey, if you want to jump in on the show this evening, I'm more than happy to have you. It's very simple. You can phone call it up at a 216-220-0966. You can also email the show, and this is how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow. Everything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening. In case you didn't get the newsletter coming up in about 12 to 13 minutes from now, it is the second Tuesday of the month. And of course, we know the second Tuesday of the month brings the regular visit from the creator of the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website currently on the face of the earth. A best-selling author, a cookbook that went to like a must-have-of-a-lifetime cookbook, The Science of Great Barbecue and Grilling, Meathead Goldwyn. Sorry, Meathead, just Meathead. I was uh, lectured at length last month to just say Meathead. So if you know Meathead by any other names, never call him that. It's singular. He has achieved share Madonna and Rempy type status. Just go with the one. It's Meathead. Amazingribs.com for the entire first hour. So looking forward to catching up with Meathead on topic and or agenda this evening. The likes of corned beef and pastrami since we have the impending St. Patrick's Day holiday coming up here sooner than later. Also, we have listed a number of Facebook questions. I put out the request earlier in the day. You have followed suit by putting down your questions or topics you would like us to go back and forth on. So as time allows, we will go ahead and talk about those as well. And that'll wrap the first hour. Then we'll talk to the pitmaster of Big Papa Smokers, the creator of that online presence as well, BigPapaSmokers.com. Number of topics to get to in the second hour with one sterling ball. Looking forward to that. We'll be talking about a little on the Smithfield guinea pig slash Mad Dalton Memorial that took place a couple weeks ago. Talk a little bit more about that style of competition and where we see it in the future, if it's going to be seen at all in the future. Obviously hit a little bit on King the Smoker, but really looking forward to talking to him about his time in Mexicali, Mexico this past weekend and a 
completely different style of live fire cooking competition that he was a part of. Uh, More on the judging and spectating side, I believe, than actually taking part in it. Also, I want to talk about competition barbecue, state of what he's doing with Kids Q, some other things that I've been ballyhooing around with him recently. Also, I made a Facebook post on questions you might want to ask Sterling if I were to have him on, which I am. And there were a lot of good ones there, so we'll cover some of those as time allows. So there you have it. Meathead Goldwyn in the first hour, Sterling Ball in the second hour. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com is your email address. Please let me ask you do this. If you've always asked how you can help the show, aside from giving my sponsors first consideration if you're going to be buying something in the barbecue and grilling community, while you're listening to this show via podcast, if you're not listening to it live, go ahead and race over to your podcast platform review section and rate and review this show if you don't mind. And be honest, I mean, I love five stars. Of course, who doesn't? Everybody wants to feel good about themselves, but leave your brutal, honest feedback. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. And that will help actually get more eyeballs, more promotion for the show, whether you're on the iTunes, whether you're on the Google, doesn't matter. Just pull up your rate and review on the platform that you like best and give the Barbecue Central Show a rate and review. I thank you in advance for your help. I didn't really go over the top on this like I was last year, but it is still a movement afoot. Folks, it is the 2018 current horse meat update. I know you've been waiting for this. You know, I think the youth of America is being evaluated in an incredibly hard way. I mean, think about it. You see these, let's call them millennials, and there is an overwhelming thought that these folks are lazy and unmotivated and weak, not mentally tough, ready to live at home forever, and the list goes on. I know you think it's true because I read all of your posts on social media. However, I'm here to tell you that over the past two years, I have met some of the best youths this country has to offer. They are motivated. They are looking forward to be contributing members to society and making a difference here in this world. But most importantly, they have bought into the Horsemeat 2018 movement. That's right. Folks, I am proud to tell you that a new group of elite-level volleyball players have decided to take up this grassroots movement, which we started last year in 2017. This makes now a total of 24 high-level players and coaches who proudly wear the horse meat t-shirt. And if you think I'm lying, let me just cue this up for, for your viewing pleasure. And podcasters, go get this on the video. Your current 2018 nationally ranked Maverick 18 women's volleyball team. Horse meet it up right there. Your very top left, by the way, head coach right there. That's Coach Cass. Then you have Mary next to Coach Cass. Uh, Coach Cass top left. Then uh, top going to the right, Mary, Julia, my daughter Bobby. And then uh, bottom first row, Sam Beth. Chase, Aaliyah, and Abby. But hey, head coaches of the on the collegiate level, this girl on the top left is a head coach of the collegiate level. 
And I know what you're thinking. They just like cool t-shirts. I know, hard to argue that. However, these shirts aren't just given out. There is not a stockpile laying around the Barbecue Central Show compound. And the responsibilities are clearly explained to each person who gets the shirt because they will inevitably be asked about it. And it is incumbent upon them to explain that we are, as a group of the horse meat, merely trying to bring horse meat to the forefront as an alternative option to traditional meat. That's it. We want the government to help supplement the costs of getting the USDA and the FSIS mark of inspection on horse meat. You need to have that in order to sell consumers. Each one asked. That's all I can say. And they have agreed that they will be individual mouthpieces for the 2018 horse meat movement. That's great. So thank you, youth of America. We're going to change the way people think about meat. It's not just going to be cows. It's not just going to be your traditional poultries. At some point, and I'm not going to say, and I'm not. Andrew, you are not. The and I'm not going to say that it's like in the near future. But we are changing the way people think. Every conversation I have with people around sporting and non-sporting venues, agree by the time our short conversation has ended that there probably isn't a good reason we shouldn't be considering raising horses for consumption. Now, by the way, a bit of advice for the current volleyball team. As it does not relate to horse meat, quicker starts, ladies, quicker starts out of the game. Okay, come on, let's go. Starting to become a little bit of a behavior. The slow starts out of the gate. I mean, you know it. Come on. I'm not a volleyball coach, but it's hard to win sets when you're down four and five and six points pretty quickly out of the gate. Holding that aside, these are upstanding citizens of the United States of America ready to take on causes that they believe in. And I am happy to say that they are completely down with the horse meat movement. As John Solberg says, it's the butterfly effect. Ten years from now, the girls from last year, the girls from this year, could be a whole new cast of proponents for this movement that we are pushing ever so forward. So thank you to them. Thank you to the coach for wearing that great picture, right? How good was that picture? You view this picture while I tell you about Southside Market and Barbecue. Attention, folks in the business of barbecue. Let me tell you a little something about Southside Market and Barbecue. Established in 1882, Southside Market and Barbecue, the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. They've been owned and operated by the same family for three generations, offering premium Central Texas barbecue products, slow-smoked, over real wood. Shipping, distribution, manufacturing sausage for companies across the U.S. From food trucks to multi-chain restaurants, Southside Sausage can be on your menu too. You getting into the barbecue business? You want to offer great sausage? You don't want to put in the time and effort to make your own because you don't have a really great recipe? Southside is the hookup. 
All meats processed in their on-site USDA-inspected facility, a trusted partner with a focus on quality and authenticity. Wholesale options available, okay? Shipping nationwide via FedEx. Food service distribution via Cisco, U.S. Foods, and Martin Foods, some of the biggest ones in the country. Co-packaging capable from R&D to package completions. We can follow your recipe or help you develop something brand new. They can also do private label opportunities as well. Maybe I want to get into the sausage retail business. Maybe I really like their beef sausage, but I want to put the Barbecue Central show name on. They can help me with that private label potential opportunity. I can bring them my goals, and my aspirations. We can talk about it. And the experts at Southside Market and Barbecue will help me achieve. You can visit southsidemarket.com for more information. That's southsidemarket.com. And again, if you are in the restaurant business or you want to offer a new type or a completely different type of sauces that you may or may not be offering in your established right now, Southside Market is the place to go. 1882. They know what they're doing. The beef sausage, by the way, spectacular. All right, we're back with Meathead Gold. Mm. Back with Meathead right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Butcher Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, seasonings, barbecue sauces, and the famed grilling oils. All the Butcher Barbecue products tested on the competition circuit as well as in the backyards. Be the pitmaster and or king of your cul-de-sac slash neighborhood. Visit ButcherBBQ.com and stock up now. Always trust your butcher. Come on. Get with it. I use grilling oil on t- I had for a side dish. My wife made some pan-fried chicken, which was delicious, or pan-sautéed chicken. Is it sauté? That's what Stephen Reichland says. Pan-sautéed chicken. And then we had these, um, I don't even know what you call it. It was broccoli, but it it was uh, called riced broccoli, so I think they put it through like a potato ricer, like that big, goofy-looking thing, and you squish it out, and you got nice-looking thin taters and stuff like that. But we made, or it came as a broccoli riced. So I think it, it went through a ricer. It was delicious. Put grilling oil on the top of that, some fresh cracked black pepper because it's like one of my favorite seasonings ever on the face of the earth. Hey, here's this guy. Meathead Goldblum. Hey, Meathead. Oh, now hold on a damn minute. Let's do this again. Here it is. Look at this guy. It's Meathead. You know, for like a, a dozen years, 
it's been Meathead and then that last name, yeah, 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 and then yeah, you yeah, told yeah, me yeah. don't do that, and now I got to retrain myself. It could take that's at right. least two or three times. Oh boy, you're, you're just a slow learner. That's I, all. I really, hey, I'm very, I'm, I really got to try. Go ahead. Hello, Centralites, and it's good to be back with you. Uh, thanks for having me. You bet. Always my pleasure. Always appreciate you making time for me and the Centralites. Hey, Southside Market. Yep. Been there. Love their sausage. They have just miles of sausage in that smoker. It just it's a walk-in thing. It's like the size of a gymnasium and it's just sausage <laughs> heaven. Oh, it's everywhere. Great place. Have you had the beef sausage? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've never had oh, beef they're, sausage they're before. For their sausage. That was like the thing that put them on the map and it was I told my oldest was like, "Oh, am I going to like it?" So I of course eat it first. Because I'm the father and I'm the protector of everybody. And I said, well, I mean, this is kid loves hamburgers. And so I'm like, it doesn't taste like a hamburger per se, but there is kind of a general no. beef flavor to it that I'm like, you yes. are going to love this. And I, I was right. She really dug it. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, you know, one of the great challenges I've struggled with for years, readers keep asking me if I will publish a recipe for Texas hot guts. Mm hmm. And, and that's what they call it down there. They call it hot guts, you know, because it's it, it's in a uh, uh, a natural uh, intestines casing. Yep. So they, you know, cheekily call it guts. Um, but uh, you know, there's no single real style. It's not like you might say case uh, a Kansas City sauce is a particular flavor profile. There's a, a variety of styles of hot guts down there, and um, they're really expanding. Um, I was down there, uh, oh, when was it, earlier this year, uh, hooked up with Daniel Vaughn, uh, the uh, the great barbecue writer, yep. Texas Monthly, and we hit a bunch of joints together, and uh, uh, one of them was doing uh, uh, boudin, and uh, well, I I mean, sausage is... is, is Always been one of the trinity, you know, uh, uh, ribs, uh, brisket, sausage. I guess you'd have to count um, uh, beef ribs. Um, but um, they're experimenting with some really fun sausages. I, You know, barbecue all around the country is undergoing change. You just can't typify classic Texas barbecue any longer. But... Uh, um, Southside's fun. It's it, it's just a classic joint. Um, been there forever. Although, although I have always maintained, we're going to talk a little tonight about corned beef and pastrami, and yep. I happen to be a great fan of pastrami, and I think it is the ultimate expression of brisket. Um, but uh, and if you believe that, and it, since it is a smoked uh, brisket. Then the oldest barbecue joint in America would be Katz's Deli, continuously open. They're 1888. Southside's 1882. Yes. But they had a couple of closures and change of ownerships in between. Katz's has been nonstop. So it's an interesting debate. Meathead from AmazingRibs.com joining me here on the show. Before we get into corned beef and pastrami for the impending St. Patrick's Day, which, by the way, being in Chicago, somehow they get that whole river to go green, which is an amazing feat, and I marvel amazing. at it each and every year. 
Um, do you have any updates on the uh, the new book? How is that going? Uh, kind of like the last one. Are you finding it easier this time? Um, no, it's it's a little harder because I'm trying to write about some subjects that I've never written about before. Yeah. Um, and I'm having fun. Um, it's a challenge. I have added a lot of staff this year who are able to help me by help me focus on the book by taking care of a lot of the day-to-day projects around running the company. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's a lot of fun, and uh, I will probably let a few chapters slip to our Pitmaster Club for feedback. Um, it's nice to have a, a an audience that's real friendly and private and that I can trust to give me honest feedback. So... Uh, I may let a few of the chapters uh, out there in the wild for because uh, uh, it, it, we're it, we're just going outside the box. The uh, the title has changed. I think it's now going to be the Meathead Method. Oh, um, I don't know. I, whatever. I'm just writing. I'm just writing. Have you? I know you're kind of a guy that likes to watch stats and see how other books are trending, this and that. But have you seen any kind of a spike in books that are now talking? With the success of your book, the the science of great barbecue and grilling, have you seen a spike in books that are trying to talk about science as it relates to the live fire industry now? Well, not so much the live fire. I I want to be careful not to overinflate my role in the world of barbecue, but I have <laughs> seen the influence of some of the ideas that Professor Blonder and I have shared on the subject of barbecue. In other people's writings, I just received a book. Um, um, oh gosh, um, drawing a blank. Uh, but I could see that it was she had clearly been reading some of my work, and it's great. You know, I mean, I don't care. I don't own it. I mean, I'm not you know the uh, the inventor of fire and smoke. But we've taught the barbecue world a few concepts, and it's being adapted. Uh, a lot of people still debate some of them. Uh, a lot of people just haven't gotten the word yet. Um, but there is a trend towards nerds in food writing. I mean, you, you want to go back to Alton Brown and Christopher Kimball at Cook's Illustrated. Yeah, I love him. Um, um, uh, Harold McGee is the godfather of us all. His, he is a real food scientist. Um, uh, Kenji Lopez-Alt is like the leader of the pack now. Um, he wrote the intro or the, uh, the the foreword to my book. His book called The Kitchen Lab is really outstanding. It's one of my best cookbooks on my shelf. Uh, so they, there is a, a movement. It's kind of like, you know, you had the Impressionists in art and the Fauvists, and uh, now we have the Nerdists in, in, in cooking. And it, it's, well, it's, it, it's not surprising. It's 2018. We're in a highly technological society. And people are coming around to the very simple concept that cooking is a science and ke- is a physics and chemistry experiment. Every time you fire up the grill, every time you fire up the oven, you begin a chemistry and physics experiment. You alter protein, carbohydrates, water, enzymes, uh, and uh, chemistry happens and. And if you have a rough understanding, you can be a better cook. Do you have any idea what meat glue is? You ever heard of meat glue? Yeah, it's um, I forget what the technical name is. It's it, it, it's a um, a protein 
Um, and basically it takes, like if you cut two pieces of meat out of the same muscle, you can uh, put this uh, enzyme between the two pieces of meat and they bond. Hmm. And it's it, it's a... It's not glue like you get from a horse. <laughs> it's it's not you know Elmer's cement or something. It's a it's a relatively natural process. Uh, um, but people have been using it to um, take trimmings. You know, say you trim up a a, 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 a tender beef tenderloin. There's little chunks, and you can actually form them into a a solid piece of meat. Hmm. And it's not too dissimilar from what happens in nature. It's healthy, as far as you know? I don't have any clue as to what's healthy. Oh, right. Um, I mean, I have I, anybody who's hung around my website knows that we avoid that word with the, like, like the plague. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when butter was dangerous and margarine was healthy. Um, I've seen all of the... Uh, way I just just today was clearing through a file. Where is it? I bet I can find it right here in my trash. Going through a file here and found <laughs> unrehearsed, unrehearsed, um, an article from the Miami Herald. Um, don't know the date on it, but it was some years ago. It was in a file on Florida because I'm going to Florida and I pulled out my Florida file. A toast to your health. Warning, alcohol may increase your life expectancy and reduce dementia. Great. Well, that's a nice, that's a, so that's, a, you know, alcohol is good for you. Now, the last month we just heard that the Minister of Health in France is telling the French uh, wine is bad for you. Wine is so, bad for you. It's very bad, very wine, bad. Wine is bad. You cannot yes, drink it, the wine. You can't drink it. So, I mean, I mean. We've just, I mean, we're hearing so much about fetal alcohol syndrome. If a woman walks into a bar with a, a and is pregnant and orders a drink, she's not going to get served. Right. But people have been drinking when pregnant forever. The French drink much more alcohol than we do. And I don't believe there's a higher degree of mental issues. Aside, I don't. I just don't deal with the subject of health, and it also goes to the science. The way we can do chemistry research by trying one thing and trying another thing and comparing and get actual data. You can have a control. The whole scientific method works for physics, works for chemistry, works in most cases in biology. But when we study health. The best we can do is ask you and ask me and ask all the centralites to keep a diary of what we've eaten and then try to correlate our diets with our emerging health and, you know, who dies youngest. Well, um, you ate a lot more meat than I did there and you you lived longer, therefore, and, you know, this whole concept of correlation equals causation. Mm -hmm. We know we know if you watch a lot of TV, there's a likelihood you'll be obese. So therefore, there must be something in the radiation coming from the television that makes you fat. Mm, that's right. It's not the fact that you are totally not doing any type of movement whatsoever. And that you may be sitting there eating Cheetos all night long. It has nothing to do with it. And, and so, you know, the whole concept of correlation, mm -hmm. um, you eat a lot of butter. 
and I eat a lot of margarine, and who lives longest, therefore, and, you know, it's just very, very hard to get really good science about what is healthy and what is not. So I just don't, I just stay away from it as far as I can. Meathead from AmazingRibs.com joining me here. Meathead, let's get into some pastrami and yes. corned beef talk before we uh, get into the first break here. Uh, how do you differentiate corned beef and pastrami, or what is the biggest difference? Oh, okay, it's easy. Okay. Corned beef is, is beef that has been cured. Now, a lot of people misuse the term curing. Curing is not just salting. It's, it, it's treating with salt that has sodium nitrite and or sodium nitrate added. And they are preservatives. And um, they turn the meat a bright pink. And you can either sprinkle it on it dry or you can submerge it in a uh, brine that has the, um, the, the, the the most common we use for home uh, curing is called prog powder number one. Yep. And it's a combination of salt and sodium nitrite, and 6% sodium nitrite. And um, it, it's pink, and it's just given a pink artificial coloring because it would look like plain old salt. And since it has a preservative, if you eat too much of it, it could cause harm. So um, you, you have to use it judiciously. You have to use it carefully. We have, if you're interested in curing meat, we have a, uh, Professor Blonder created a really cool, there's nothing like it in the world. It's a calculator that helps you calculate exactly what the right amount of preservative is to use. Mm. If you're going to make bacon, if you're going to make uh, Canadian bacon, if you're going to make a ham, if you're going to make uh, uh, corned beef, you've got all of that. You just punch in the numbers, and it gives you exactly how much of the ingredients to use to make it safe and how long and so on. It's really cool. But um, corned beef is simply beef. Now, typically, it's brisket or um, uh, it can be navel, which is just behind the brisket, really, really fatty cut and Sometimes it's just way too fatty. Brisket's a good cut. But occasionally you'll find um, corned beef made from rump, mm. um, uh, which is, you know, the rear leg. Um, and it's very lean that way. Um, and it's just cured in this salt and nitrite mixture for, you know, many days, sometimes a week or longer. And uh, it turns it pink. And um, it makes it very salty. And here's a hot tip number one. Um, a lot of people will go out and they'll buy corned beef, and it comes in a shrink wrap plastic yep. um, cryovac. And it's got some usually a little seasoning packet. Yep. You can throw that out. Doesn't it has absolutely, absolutely no effect on the flavor. All right. Um, uh, but um, it's way too salty. And typically people boil the corned beef yes. with some cabbage, potatoes, yes. maybe some caraway, some other seasonings. Don't boil it. Oh. Simmer it. Okay. Keep the temperature below boiling temp. It will keep the meat from cupping and shrinking and drying out. And the other trick is, is if you have time, soak it overnight in a pot with cold water in the fridge and change the water a couple of times. That will pull some of the salt out. And it will make it much more delicate and less salty, and it really improves it. The other option is, is if you don't have time to do that, you throw it in the pot when you're simmering it, simmer it for a little while, then dump the pot out, mm. 
then we add fresh water and simmer it some more, and you'll pull some of the salt out, and that really in, improves it. And especially if you're simmering it along with carrots and corned beef, I mean cabbage and potatoes. But we're a barbecue crowd. Right. And I'm here to tell you, corned beef on the grill is really good. And cabbage on the grill is really good. We've really? got a great recipe for a honey cabbage. Um, you can make a steak out of it or just quarter it, or you can even do it whole. There's a variety of ways to cook. And it just roast vegetables, and everybody by now should know, roasting vegetables really concentrates the flavor, mm -hmm. really makes it wonderful. You get a little char on there. It's wonderful. Um, you can do the same with the corned beef. You can just grill it, or you can put a special rub on it, a pastrami rub, and I have a really good pastrami rub, which comes very close to matching the rubs of the great Jewish delicatessens like Katz's, and then you smoke it. And if you smoke corned beef with the right pastrami rub, you get pastrami. Hmm. And pastrami is just, I mean, everybody out there should know what pastrami tastes like, but really good pastrami, like you get at Katz's Deli or Rest it's rest in peace, Carnegie Deli or the Second Street Deli or Ashkenaz or one of the great delis. It is fantastic. It's it's brisket taken to a new level, and it's phenomenal. Is there a, a temperature that you're shooting for? I mean, when you talk about brisket cooking, I mean that's a whole different thing. We always talk about that. All the mm -hmm. barbecue guys want to know about that, but this has got to be. Yeah. It's really similar to cooking a regular brisket. If you're just going to smoke it, smoke it up to around 200, 203 in that range. Your next guest, Sterling Ball, is yep. the one who taught, whispered in my ear, 203. <laughs> I learned that from him long ago. Um, and it works. It's, it's, a, it's a magic number, I think. Um, and uh, take it up to around that temp. Um, it's going to come out with a great crust and a little on the firm side. If you go to the old delis, they steam it, or some even actually boil it after it's been smoked, um, and that really tenderizes it makes it really crumble and fall apart. Mm -hmm. You can do that, too. Problem with that is, is you, as you can imagine, it messes up the crust. Um, so just, you know, um, after you've corned it, throw it on the smoker and smoke it on up to 203. It'll take just as long as it would a regular brisket, or... Smoke it up to 150, 160, pull it out, and then throw it in the steamer. It'll get up to 203 a lot faster and be a little more tender. The crust will just be a little softer, but it's really good either way. Recipes on AmazingRibs.com, I would assume. Yeah. All right. We're talking with Meathead. Stand by, Meathead. We'll be right back. I'm going to talk to everybody here quickly about uh, Cook Shack. Of course, I love Cook Shack. I got a Cook Shack. Right in my garage, it's the uh, 008, I think, Smokehead. Cook Shack manufacturer, smoker ovens for barbecue lovers just like you and me. Any amount of experience, whether you're in the backyard, on the competition circuit, in a five-star dining facility, Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job. And with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it is the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be a resource center by offering cooking classes, Online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoke and grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. You can check out their website at cookshack.com, or you can follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, and Google+. Get advice and share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. They still have one of those. 
Coke Shack Pellet Fire Smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion. Ed Fast, Eddie Morin. The FEC 100, PG 1000, always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can actually double as a smoker and a grill, low and slow, hot and fast. The pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Now, if you aren't a fan of the pellet cookers, you like electric stuff, great news. Cook Shack Residential Electric Smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can make in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack very easily. Passion, dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being the top priority. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or visit the website, cookshack.com. That's cookshack.com. All right, more Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. When we come back, stick around. Be right back. Ready to get on the air? Call 216-220-0966. Now, let's get back to the LeBron James of Barbecue Talk. Craig Rampey. All right, this portion of the show brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all the pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also find them on Amazon.com. And if you're not following them on Instagram, they are releasing incredible new flavors of wood pellets. Go check them out. Download the app as well. It's free. CookinPellets.com. We thank them for their continued support of the show. And we are hanging out with Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. Uh, Meathead, we were talking about corned beef and pastrami. Is there anything else from a preparation standpoint, or do you have any suggestions on how to best serve for that great first, second, and whole sandwich bites? Um, you know, the only other thing I can think of is, I mean, I just love pastrami to death. If you just do a Reuben sandwich, you typically a Reuben sandwich is um, corned beef. But if you do it with pastrami, which is just a variation on corned beef, I think you really ramp it up. And, uh, uh, you know, that's pretty standard. You've got a essentially a Thousand Island dressing. And when you make your Thousand Island, instead of mixing ketchup and mustard, Use a Kansas City barbecue sauce. It really is nice. Um, uh, a little uh, um, uh, crunchy uh, um, a sauerkraut, uh, some uh, Swiss cheese, toasted rye. Yeah, it's a great sandwich. Uh, one of the great, great sandwiches on earth. Have you noticed um, an uptick in craft sauerkraut making where you are? Yeah, the, uh, I, I think... Gosh, you know, I'm terrible at names. Um, it's because I'm getting old. Um, about a year or two ago, some guy came out with a really good book on home fermenting. And it really caught on. He got a lot of airtime on radio and television. And he showed, part of it was how easy it is to make sauerkraut. I don't think it's all that easy. I've tried and failed. I mean... Fermenting pickles and sauerkraut at home is pretty easy to screw up. Um, I've done kimchi uh, reasonably well because it's screwed up to begin with. Uh, But, um, uh, yeah, a lot of home uh, fermenting is going on. Um, You know, when you buy sauerkraut, you just want to get it from the the, the grocery store from the 
deli section or the refrigerator section, you don't want to get canned right. sauerkraut. Right. Canned sauerkraut's been cooked. It's soft. It's mushy. The fresh stuff that usually comes in a bag that's airtight um, is crunchy. It's just fermented. It's really great. Um, and they make a lot of it in New York State. Um, and uh, I think New York State's the largest cabbage producer. And it's just great stuff. And uh, uh, But... Uh, yeah, you can do it at home. It's tricky. And by the way, one of your, uh, uh, Mr. Williams, I think, I'm I, I'm having a little trouble uh, following. Um, you on the Facebook? Facebook page. Yeah. Yes, uh, transglutamase is uh, the correct name for the enzyme that is used for um, meat, meat glue. glue. Uh -huh. He looked it up, and uh, it, 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 it is an enzyme, and it is, it, 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 uh, I just did a quick Google when you uh, had the commercial on, and uh, one of the really good food nerd writers out there um, uh, writes that uh, uh, a website called Cooking Issues, and I can't remember the guy's name there either, but uh, he's really well known. He um, talks about making sausages without casings using transglutamase. Huh. You can buy it in the bag. Um, people play with it. It's fun. All right, let's do some Facebook questions if you're up for it. Oh, you, yeah, you had four of them. Uh, let's have them. All right. Uh, first one from Josh Poston. Ask Meathead when he's going to debate Stephen Reichland live on the Barbecue ah, Central ah, show. Ah, now, look, ah. let's hold on one second. I think, in all in all, I think we have a mutual admiration society. Absolutely. However, I think in in an instance, it would be a highly entertaining segment for you to get on and talk about where you disagree with, uh, for instance, caveman cooking or cooking on a shovel, where Stephen actually is a a significant endorser and promoter of those yeah. things. So, you know, figure out where you guys differ and, and then have you guys kind of uh, not duke it out per se, but give both sides of the fence as I moderate ever so delicately. And there are very few areas where we disagree um, caveman steak is one where he throws the steak onto the charcoal. Yep. I prefer to keep it right above the charcoal so it doesn't get charcoal dust on it. Um, but we're close, you know, this far apart. Um, and he's a he wrote a book on beer can chicken, and that's one mention. where we're pretty far apart. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but uh, this guy, I'm looking at my bookshelf over there, and uh, I've got every one of his books. And um, the uh, this year, earlier this year, uh, Southern Living Magazine published the 100 best cookbooks of all time, and both of us made the list. Yep. Uh, I'm very honored. It only and took I'm you one to book be in his company. It only took you Pardon? one book. Yeah, I've only done one book. Uh, he's got a bunch of them. No, no, no. It only took you one book to be on that oh. list. <laughs> <laughs> Well, mine was a lifetime of work. Yeah. But his I think the one he got on there for was his first book, Barbecue Bible. Yeah, I, I yeah. think that was the one. Yeah. So we're both first book, one book wonders. All right. Um, no, nah, he's a man. Um, I chose to go web. He chose to go slices of dead tree. Um, he's, uh, he, 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 we'll find very little disagreement, uh, on things that really matter between us. And I think he's a great recipe developer, but it would be fun to be on with him. Yeah, absolutely. Next question from uh, Doug Scheiding. I love tuna tartare, but don't eat steak tartare. 
ever. Yeah, I'm with you, Doug. Do you? Okay, so uh, I'm guessing you don't eat steak tartare no, even at restaurants. Do you make it at home? Wait, hold on. Let me finish the question. Do you eat steak tartare? Do you make it at home? Risk does not seem worth the reward. Now, please answer. Okay, sorry. Yes. Didn't mean to jump right. on your tongue. Right. Um, a, 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 a raw anything is riskier than cooked anything. Mm. When you cook something, you kill all the bacteria and it makes it safer. Raw meat, raw vegetables, raw eggs all have higher risk because if there are bacteria, they will survive and they can make you sick. Um, and the risk is even higher for the very young and the very old or the immune compromised, somebody with an immune disease like AIDS or HIV. Um, so raw food is always riskier. This is something I learned from my wife, who's a Ph.D. microbiologist for the FDA. And um, uh, she is not fond of me eating sushi, which I do occasionally when she's not looking. When I'm traveling, when I'm on the road, I'll eat some raw fish. I'll try to buy it only from a sushi chef whom I believe really knows what he or she is doing. Yep. Um, but I don't eat raw beef. Um, it is too easily contaminated. And um, I try to cook ground meats to 155. It, um, and I compensate for the drying out tendency of a well-done piece of ground meat, like a hamburger, by just using a lot of fat. I mean, fat is moisture, fat is flavor. So if, you, if that, so if you're going to cook it to the safe temp, and there are some really horrific stories out there that people don't hear about, and they all say, oh, I've been eating steak tartare for 55 years. Well, you know, I'm 68 and I've been driving a car for 48 years, and I haven't been killed yet. Right. Does that make driving a car safe? No. 30,000 people died last year. That's a lot of bodies. So just because I have not been killed in a car doesn't make driving a car safe. Just because you've eaten a lot of steak tartare doesn't make it safe. That's it. That you know. That's that's incidental information. So I steer clear of it. You know, there was a guy, a, a centralite, I believe he lives out in Hawaii, if I'm not mistaken. It's either Hawaii or Wisconsin. And he said in a... That's close. I know. It's, it's one or the other. It, equally, <laughs> equally as scary is what I'm about to relay in the story. But he said, hey, I've been eating... We were talking about, remember tiger meat sandwiches last year? Yeah, it was yeah, the raw yeah. hamburger meat. Yeah. And he, I've been eating it forever. And then he took a video... It was a Saturday morning. He had just gotten out of Sam's Club. He had one of those big 10-pound chubs of uh, ground beef, and he tore open the cellophane packaging and ripped out you know, a good probably eighth of a pound of whoop, popped it right in his mouth and started eating it. And I just was aghast, and it's like he's rolling the dice. I mean, he, maybe he's done it every day or every weekend since 1979 and he's never gotten sick and he's been lucky like you're talking about with the car but geez i can't even see where that would even taste good well 
I mean, it does have a nice flavor. I've eaten it. And so, didn't you eat raw hamburger really? when you were a kid? No. Oh, it, it tastes good. I had it's responsible good parents a, meathead. It's not as a cooked burger. I mean, we know Maillard reaction creates great flavors. I yeah. like a cooked burger better than I like a rare burger Me or too. a raw burger. Right. But, um, um, you know, it, it's it, I, I, the first time I went to France, I ate um, a uh, uh, Côte de Bouffe, uh, which is a ribeye in France. And uh, I spent the entire next day on my hands and knees in front of the toilet. Yikes. And it was a cooked ribeye. But the thing is, is the flora and fauna, the microbial uh, air and contact. I mean, each of our stomachs are different. Each of our resistance systems are different. It's a matter of risk. And people have to really come to realize what risk is. We're scared to death that the terrorists are going to kill us. What is the risk? I mean, you know, we've had one major terrorist attack uh, on September 11th, and we'll never forget that. We've had a number of small ones. The risk of being killed by a terrorist is really low, but the risk of being killed in a car is really high. Yeah. And why aren't we out there marching in the streets, parading, banging on the doors of Congress to make our cars safer? risk. We just don't perceive risk intelligently. Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. Next question from David Huff. Greg, I'd like to know your thoughts on grilling fish. What temp? How do you know what fish to leave a little bit more rare versus cook through, straight on the grill, salt block, cedar plank, etc.? Your thoughts Mm. on fish, Meathead? Because I hate fish. Big topic. Big topic. I love fish. I was raised on the coast of Florida. That's right. And if I still live there now, I would be fishhead, not meathead. Um, I love seafood. Unfortunately, I'm in Chicago, and getting really good fresh fish is hard because uh, people who know fish know every day matters. Yeah. You catch that fish, and by the time it gets here to Chicago, it's three, four days old, and that makes a massive difference when you get it on the coast and it's one day old, two at the most. It's really significantly different. Um Ideal temperature for cooking fish under the atmosphere. Um, generally, um, I like to cook it uh, fairly hot. It, fish is like 80 to 90 percent water. It's much more water than beef, which is around 70 percent. Um, it can take a lot of heat. Like any protein, it starts to shrink if you cook it too hot too long. Um, the USDA and other sources want you to cook it. Um, I forget what the USDA temp is on fish. I think it's 135, 140. Uh, The problem with fish is not bacteria so much as it is um, parasites. Um, You get little wormy thingies in there, and you got to kill them. But the really expert fish cooks say 125 and not a penny higher. That's really low. That's really low. I normally try to cook it up to 130, 135 at the most, and you can still get it really tender and delicate. A lot of the cookbooks tell you to look by eye until while it's flaky and creamy. Use a thermometer. Thermometer is your guarantee of safety, and thermometer will teach you what temperature you like it best at, and you can always cook it to that right temp. Um, I have been cooking a lot of my fish on a cast iron griddle on my grill lately. Mm-hmm. I've been I've got a cast iron griddle um, and I'll 
pour a little oil on it. You can do it in a cast iron pan or any a frying pan. Pour a little oil, and then I throw a lot of dried herbs. We've got an herb garden, and we always have dried oregano and stuff left over from the previous year. And I throw it on the—I use a gas grill for this. I throw it on the gas grill, just let it burst into flame, put out this huge puff of smoke, and— um, uh, it gives it a little delicate flavor. The other trick that I really like is if you can get a thicker piece of fish, like um, Chilean sea bass, which I think is absolutely by far the best fish in the ocean. Swordfish is a, is, is, is a close second. I'll take a Chilean sea bass, which can run an inch, an inch and a half thick, and grill grates. Now, this is not just any grill grates. The brand grill grates. Right. Um, it has rails, and then it has a flat bottom with holes in it. And I'll take pellets, and I'll throw pellets or sawdust on the grill grates so they lay in the rails. And I'm the one who taught Brad, who owns the company, about this concept, and yep. it works. You put the fish on top of the grill grates so they're about a half inch above the wood, and the wood starts to smolder. So the smoke is like a half inch below the meat. And you can cook... Um, uh, a Chilean sea bass, and it turns golden. It's absolutely gorgeous. It gets golden, and it's still um, 130, really tender, juicy, flaky inside, golden on the outside, get its marvelous light smoke flavor. Grill grates, and the thing about grill grates is really nice, is that it has this um, special spatula with fingers, right. so you can lift the meat easily, and always oil the fish. Now, here's where... Um, Raiklin and I disagree slightly. He always talks about oiling the grates. grates. Yep. I like to oil the food. The food is colder. The oil doesn't burn as fast. When you oil the grates, it's really, really hot, and the gr and the oil cracks uh, and it and it smokes and it, it and it rancidifies. Um, but um, if you oil the fish, it, it it works just as well. Actually, I think it works better. And uh, always oil the fish. Uh, and if you want to oil the grates, too, that's even better. And this is a great technique. Grill grate. I'm not, I don't, I'm, I, 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 this is not a paid commercial. I just love grill grates for fish. Do you know we, I coined the phrase when you were talking about throwing yes. pellets, CPS, yes. close proximity smoking? Yes, close. you did. And I use it on the website, close proximity smoking. Uh, I hope you're giving proper attribution, Meathead. Mm -hmm. All right. I do. I do. All I do. right. You know, I I rarely come up with anything original in this head, so no, I got to keep it. Proximity smoking, and I think it's a great term. That's right. And I think it's in my book too. It is. Might be. I'm gonna have to open that book up. If it's not, I'm right. I'm gonna put it in there. That's right. CPS close, close proximity smoking. 2018 proximity. March. Right. Uh, Meathead, I'm gonna be going to the NBBQA conference. Um, heading out of Cleveland to Fort Worth tomorrow, and I'll be doing live shows Thursday, Friday, Saturday, noon to three local. So that is actually going to be noon to three local your time as well. So It's a fun conference. If you're on Facebook. I go every year. I'm going to miss it this year. Yeah, but don't worry. I have the Pitmasters Club t-shirts that I'll be wearing mm -hmm. all the way around. Look at me. Red, white, heather gray. I'm going to look Thank great. You. Thank you. you. Thank no you. Uh, you can find Meathead at AmazingRibs.com. Do you have any there's questions? More questions. Yeah, we're out of time. No, I, there's one more question. <laughs> there's way more than one more question. Well, no, Gene Apicella's got a question. Gene wants to know if we ever have any trouble fending off the groupies. 
I never have trouble with that. Jeez. Have the you seen me? The last time I had a problem, I paid you 130000 to shut up about it. <laughs> now go back to making your movies, Gene. Right. Wow. You you haven't uh you haven't you haven't found any uh uh, uh professional women looking to uh hit you up while you're no, out on the no, book no, tours, no, no, no. meathead, groupies, if you will? Very short very long story told short. Yes. Years ago people may know I was in the wine world and when I hung up the wine business and switched to solid food, in between I thought I would try to make my living as a photographer. I did my master's in photography, Uh-oh. and I was experimenting with virtual reality. And this is 2000. This yeah. is way ahead of the curve. And the first gig I got was shooting for Playboy. Uh-oh. Wow. And so um, it, it was It was six women. Um, it was an, a, a, a lingerie shoot, but... They didn't wear much lingerie. Of course. And it was supposed to be interactive. And and, and long story short, I came home from the uh, contract signing, and I said, "Hun, I got my first job. You're not going to believe this. It's for Playboy. Do you mind? And she looked at me, and she said, go right ahead. Those 20-year-olds want nothing to do with you. (laughs) Thanks, honey. Wow. Wow, that's a great story. Uh, so I no, I don't have problems with groupies. Well, I hear you. Meet you and me both. Uh, meathead at amazingribs.com. Meathead, always appreciate the time, and I'll keep you up to speed with what's happening at the conference. Have fun, and it's good to talk to you and the uh, Centralites once again. There he is, Meathead from amazingribs.com. Of course, all correct? guests appear via the Traeger Grills hotline. Love talking to Meathead. Yummy. Right. All right, let me talk to you quickly about Traeger Grills, one of the newest sponsors of the show. Traeger is offering a couple different product lines to the pellet world. You have the Pro Series or the Pro Line. So if you're just looking to get into pellet cooking, if you're not sure you want to make the price investment of a timber line, whether it be the, AT or the 850 or the 1300, you want to start out. The Pro Line is going to be where you want to go. A couple different sizes to choose from. A lot of same great engineering and technology you're going to find in the Pro Line that you would find in that Traeger um, Timberline line as well. Not all the stuff, but some of the most important stuff you're going to find on both sides. And it produces great tasting food. You can go high heat. You can go mid heat. You can go low and slow traditional barbecue. All you have to do is keep it full of pellets, set the temperature, and you're off and running. Now, if you're looking to step up the pellet game, if you're a believer in the way that pellets are used and you like the pellet smoke, well, the Timberline has kind of changed that whole pellet game. They're offering you super smoke technology in both the 850 and 1300. They're offering you substantial cooking capacity in both models, 1300, obviously bigger. They're offering you the highest level of technology that is out there on the market today as well. With their, I think it's called the wire fire technology. Wi-Fi technology. All cloud-based. As long as you're hooked up to the internet, you can make recipe changes. You can make cooking changes. You can monitor internal temperatures of meat. You can monitor the internal temperature of your smoker. And you can adjust any and all of those items by downloading the Traeger Grills app. You can find that at TraegerGrills.com. The other thing that is spectacular with the Timberline is the fact they have this uh, blue, constant blue smoke technology. So 
instead of looking at like on the pro line you'll see it's got the hopper on one side and then you have the chimney like you would normally see on some type of an offset cooker so you have the draft that exhausts out from left to right and then away you go well not the case with the timber line you get the blue smoke rolling over the top coming around the meat and then it's not exhausting out of a chimney stack like you would normally see this it's just coming right exhausting out of the bottom so it's constantly pulling down and circulating that nice sweet blue smoke that all of the pitmasters are craving for and that are expecting signifying of course a clean burn timberline very fuel efficient as well whether you are in that environment as i am or not cold weather wise i mean you're gonna dig it i know you're gonna dig it. so here's what you do you hit up traegergrills.com that's traegergrills.com check out their products and if you have at oh you did not hold on a minute right in the middle of this read and i dump that if you are in the middle of something Call them up, hit up the website, get out all the information so you can make your most informed buying decision. If you know Chad Ward, visit his website, shoot him an email. Maybe he can get back to you quickly with some expert analysis or ask me. I mean, come on. Matt Pittman from Meat Church is a brand new Traeger guy. Of course, you know DivaQ, Doug Scheiding, of course. A lot of great people in the barbecue world that are Traeger fans. So hit up TraegerGrills.com. That's TraegerGrills.com. And we will be back with the second hour. Stick around. Be right back. This is Rennie Kanoff with ChampionshipBBQ.TV, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, we are back. Thanks again to Meathead for joining me the last two segments. And we are reloading for the second hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? <laughs> you have a great show of a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? He ate two feet for wiener. Oh listen, Lavernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> We have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome through. This is the Barbecue Central Show. We talk about all things barbecue and grilling right here. Each and every Tuesday live from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The show is recorded, so if you miss it, whether you miss a segment or a whole hour or the whole show or whether you just know there's no way I'm going to get that show ever live, you can subscribe through the podcast, of course. Whether you do it on iPhone, whether you do it on Google Music, whether you use a third-party podcast catcher, Stitcher, TuneIn, whatever. 
Search The BBQ Central. That's usually enough, and away you go. You can subscribe, and that way, right around midnight the next day on Wednesday, the show is released in podcast form, so you can go back and consume the show at your convenience. As I asked you to do in the top of the show, if you have time, please go rate and review the show so we can make sure that uh, we're doing it right, getting your feedback. Uh, Plus, from a promotional standpoint, it does help the show when you rate and review. So please take a second out of your lovely day and make sure that you do that for me. Still to come on this show this evening is Sterling Big Papa Ball himself from Big Papa Smokers. Sterling Big Papa Smoker Ball. Sterling Ball from Big Papa Smokers, however you want to say it. Lots to talk to him about. Email from John Dawson. Ramps, here's a killer way to grill fish. Heat a Himalayan salt block gently in a low oven. Then move it to a hot grill. Cover the top of the block with a single layer of quarter-inch limon slices. Add your fish and cook to the appropriate doneness. Delicious. Fish delish. Again, I'm not a huge fish guy. I'll eat some non-Far East tilapia. If I can get it, like Australian maybe, or you know, somewhere that's not like... I don't want to offend the Chinese fish growers, but I'd rather not have the fish grown in the farms of China if it's okay with you. So if I can find some nice kind of local local wild tilapia, if that's possible. I'll take that. I like that. Maybe a little cod or sole sometimes. Uh, Orange roughy, but that's kind of expensive. But other than that, I'm not a real big fish guy. Uh, Breaded sometimes. Like, you know, right now, of course, we're in the Lenten season, whatever that means. And, you know, if you uh, uh, abide by the laws there, you're not allowed to eat meat on Friday, so a lot of people into that fish fry right now. And I've eaten fried fish before, fish and chips. You know, it's okay, but I'm never going out to seek the latest and greatest fish. Now, I am a huge sh- uh, shellfish person, so lobsters and crab legs, stuff like that. I will eat that all day long. That's more my speed. But... Fish, eh, definitely leave it more than take it, only if I have to, and sometimes under protest. But if you like fish and you're looking for a tip, get a Himalayan salt block, gently warm it up in the oven, not sure how long, maybe 20 minutes at 200 degrees, and then put it on the grill, get it hot, cover with a single layer of quarter-inch lemon slices, add fish. Thank you, John. You know, everybody was sending me emails post-show last week saying how much they enjoyed, loved, found humor in the KFC shortage of gravy and then thusly affected the ability to make and enjoy gravy-laced cocktails. Everybody loved the take about me going through the drive through and ordering gravy. So thank you for that. Got an email listener from uh, an email from a listener, Jeff Stone says, "Greg, got an idea while listening to this week's podcast. He was talking about last week's show. Take alcohol, mix the gravy in. Let me stop. 
misreading, take alcohol and mix with gravy that goes into, what did we talk about with Mike Lang? What did we talk about? Poutine, right, right. Take the alcohol, mix with the gravy that goes into the poutine, call it a booze teen. (laughs) I don't like to throw the word genius around, but rock on, Jeff Stone. Thank you, Jeff. It's kind of a delicious idea. If you've never had poutine, the only way you will not like it are as follows. You don't like cheese curds. You don't like French fries. And you don't like brown gravy. If you don't like all of those, you will definitely hate poutine. If you don't like two-thirds or one-third of those, the chances of you liking poutine diminish a little bit. If you don't like gravy... Cheese, curds, and fries are probably going to go pretty well together, but it's technically not poutine. But if you like all three, and I have a feeling, like I've seen some barbecue guys, and they seem like they would really like poutine a lot. So why not take advantage of the last couple stories of the past week, which was two weeks ago, gravy-imbibed cocktails, go to KFC, pick up a large gravy, and then make up some of the cocktail recipes using their gravy that they have suggested. Then, of course, uh, that was two weeks ago. The, last week, there was the run on gravy causing a shortage. But then we talked about poutine, which has gravy. So go to KFC now because I haven't heard that through a second week there has been a gravy shortage. So they've rectified the supply and demand. So go to KFC. Get too large gravy. Get your alcohol of choice. Let's say vodka because it's kind of a neutral flavor profile. Mix that in with the gravy. And then as you're making the poutine, get the fries done, put the cheese on, and then put the alcohol-infused gravy on top of that poutine. And you call it a poos, a boo, a poop. What do you call it? A booze tea. I like it. I like that a lot. Booze team. So, I've asked for two bits of video. Number one, anybody making a cocktail with gravy, you have to put that on video and send it to me. It will lead the show. Don't cut it. One take Charlie. I want to see a gravy imbibed cocktail being consumed by whoever's shooting the video. But put a video together, send it to me, I'll drop. I'll give you my Dropbox if it's a huge file, I will get it to play on this show. It will lead the show. Not in the second hour, it will lead the open of the show. That's your reward for putting that together. But you have to drink it, at least one sip. Now if you want to spit it out because it tastes like, uh, as my oldest daughter would say, booty hole, that's fine. I want to see it. I want to see the live visceral reaction. I want you to be my catfish coolie eating reaper peppers and drinking uh, fireball. Remember that? It's so hot. I feel like I'm eating one of Satan's testicles. It's hotter than one of them chocolate booter booters. Catfish coolie. So that's number one. Number two video that will also lead the show, or if I get them both at the same time, 
It will be 1A, 1B leading the show, and that will probably be all that we get to before we go into that first break of that show. Make a booze team. That's what I want to see, a booze team. That might be better than the gravy and laced cocktail. Email from John Dawson. Remps, if liquor stores stocked buttered popcorn-flavored vodka, how far can we be from gravy-flavored vodka? Truly the end of times. (laughs) Truly the end of times. So that's what I want to see from the Central Lights. Video showing a gravy lace cocktail. Video showing uh, showing a booze teen, which I will give proper attribution here. Kinger, you should work on a booze teen, by the way. You're Canadian. Booze teen would be right up your alley. If you don't know what it is, because I see you're jumping in late, it's uh, putting alcohol in the gravy. You remember we were talking about gravy-laced cocktails a couple weeks ago? One of my listeners said, hey, make poutine, but put alcohol in the gravy you're going to put on the top of poutine. You call it booze team. I like that. Well, I didn't get to what I'm going to be doing at the NBBQA and who I have locked up as guests. Maybe if uh, time allows, I'll get to who I have lined up Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Needless to say, a veritable who's who. Before we get to himself, let me talk to you about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue. Their curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies will get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Papa Smokers has been pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself. From the award-winning rubs and sauces to the American-made grills and smokers, Big Papa Smokers has everything you need to be a better outdoor cook. Big Papa is known for the championship rubs and seasonings, popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners on the competition circuit and in backyards. They offer 13 perfectly balanced flavors that transform ordinary meals to extraordinary. Whether you're cooking to impress judges or grilling for family and friends, Big Papa Smokers award-winning rubs and seasonings don't disappoint. Now, if you're looking to improve the flavor of the cop barbecue, Big Papa Smokers combine forces with Simply Marvelous to form what is known as the West Coast Offense. You know about it for years now. They've cornered the market on competitive barbecue, redefined flavor profiles that cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. Big Papa, also the proud owner of Granny's award-winning barbecue sauce. Looking for a new go-to barbecue sauce that will please everyone? Granny's traditional yet powerful flavor remind us why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. You can find Granny's barbecue sauce and other top-rated barbecue sauces at BigPapaSmokers.com. And aside from their premium selection of rubs and sauces, Big Papa's offers the very best in pellet charcoal and wood cookers available today. Looking for a versatile smoker, easy to use, the Mac 2-Star General Pellet Grill. Big Papa's the exclusive Mac dealer, offering special online packages. Not a fan of the pellet cookers? I get it. Take a look at the old Hickory Ace BP, the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on a competition trailer. If you're a backyard barbecue enthusiast like me, looking for a durable, versatile grill that might last forever, the M Grill from Texas is just what you need. If you're not sure of what grill you might be looking for, you can't go wrong with anything that's on the BigPapaSmokers.com website. They have something for every kind of backyard cook. It's clear that BigPapaSmokers.com, the place to go for all things barbecue. Every product featured on their website, hand-selected to help you barbecue better, boost your skills. With the help of Big Papa Smokers, the number one online barbecue store, call them 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727 or shop online 
at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. All right, Sterling Ball coming up out of the break. Stick around. Be right back. Show, giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue, a man actually named Meathead, the author of a barbecue Bible, bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. This portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. Championship Pitmasters are winning with Smithfield. You can, too, commit to cooking with Smithfield this 2018 barbecue season. You'll receive smoke and swag just participating. Only a few requirements. You have to pay a small shipping fee of 25 bucks and be a member of the sport's major sanctioning bodies. Be sure to come back and track your first place finishes in pork and ribs to win great prizes through the Smoking with Smithfield incentive program. Once a committed cook, show us your Smithfield with the hashtag show us your Smithfield on Facebook and on the Instagrams. Remember that this program is limited to the first 500 people to sign up. So be sure to head on over to smokingwithsmithfield.com and sign up for that committed cooks program. Assuming that they still have spots left, I'm going to have to touch base with uh, Miss Emily Detweiler to confirm that. But nevertheless, Joining me here in the second hour, a longtime sponsor of this show. He's also one of the top pitmasters on the KCBS circuit. Aside from being a competitor, he also puts on some of the most popular barbecue events this year, like the Smithfield Guinea Pig and the King of the Smoker. That one happens at the end of each year. He's also running the top online barbecue and grilling store, BigPapaSmokers.com. Never afraid to give his true feelings, insights, and views in the world of live fire cooking. We race over to the hotline. And welcome back, friend of the show, Sterling Ball. Hi, Sterling. Hello, Greg. How are you? I'm absolutely fabulous, my friend. Appreciate you making time, as always, for the show. And I guess before we get into some of the the general Ballyhoo barbecue topics, let's take a quick look back uh, from a couple weeks ago, the Smithfield guinea pig. uh, No, no. Let's not? No. No? This is not... But I know this is your show, but I have to correct Meathead again. Oh. I did hear earlier. Oh, dear. When I told Meathead 203, okay. that was if you're cooking it all night and slow. So, you know, obviously the ending temperature of meat has a lot to do with how hot and fast you're cooking or low and slow. So you can go up to like 212. So for those people out there who think I'm cooking hot and fast and cooking to 203 and I must be getting angel tables, <laughs> no, two oh three is if you're cooking all night. Just a little clarification. All right, so two oh three would be cooking at two twenty five, two fifty, or lower than that. Yeah, like the two twenty, the old school, like when barbecue was fun. When was that? Oh no, it's still fun. It's fun to say that. <laughs> um, I could have some new shirts that say barbecue or fun. Are they for sale right now at BigPapaSmokers.com? They will be shortly. All right. Here we go. Barbecue is fun. Barbecue is family. Yep. And barbecue is part of our Cooking for Kids program, which replaced the uh, Elite program. You you will take a brisket to 212 and still get slices? Oh, yeah. Sometimes. Usually it's around 209. Wow. That seems high. 
Well, it's, it, it, like I said, it depends on how fast you're cooking. Why? I think a lot of it. Well, you're going to have to talk to Dr. Blonder for a technical uh, <laughs> explanation, but I can tell the, the, the higher the heat and the quicker you cook something, the higher the internal temperature is when you're, when you're done. Got it. All right, so uh, we've corrected Meathead. Are you good on that? Well, I never miss a chance to correct Meathead. Of and course. I love Meathead. Of course. Um, all right, so let's We have ahead. some group. Oh, I, he, just, he just texted me, of course. <laughs> How dare you contradict after I phrased you. I was just saying I love you, Meathead. There's a lot. I of, was explaining the 203. I was saying to Meathead, you know, because sometimes he's on a different side of the fence with Stephen Reichland. I said, you know, it's mostly a mutual admiration society, but sometimes there's things that you need to correct or that you're just on differing opinions on. Uh, probably similar stuff with you and Meathead, right? I'm just, no, Meathead and I have like some of the greatest phone conversations <laughs> and uh, from, since day one. You know, back when he was Craig and I was Sterling. Um, you know, I, I love Meathead and I love what he does for barbecue. And... Um, you know, he he's fun to banter and go back and forth. You know that. I, absolutely. That's why he's been on the show once a month for uh, the last uh, 10 years or so. Um, let's, uh, let's, I tried this uh, two or three times already, but let's take a look back. Have you ever had his sweet, have you ever had his sweet and sour pork? Never. <laughs> Wait, okay. I, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> only well, only on television, right? Only on television? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. All right, that. enough. Yes. So let's uh, take a look back. A couple weeks ago, Smithfield Guinea Pig, Matt Dalton Memorial. I believe this is the fifth year that some iteration of the, the guinea pig has shown back up again. Great, the Genie yeah. takes grand championship. 47 teams take part in this thing, uh, Sterling. Popularity is still here for a guinea pig-style competition, right? Oh, yeah, no question. I mean, we had, seriously, we had a couple of deaths that kept it from being full. But, um, you know, it sells out right away. I'll tell you, there's a lot of good things. I love seeing the Genie win it. I mean, obviously, I like everybody there, but Genie's my pards and uh, yeah. such a great cook and such a great ambassador for barbecue. And a lot of you, you people out, in other parts of the country just don't realize that he's kind of like he's Papa Bear for California barbecue. Yeah. And, you know, he's president of the association again. And, uh, I just thought it was awesome to see him win it. And you know what? There's a couple things. I fought so hard and fought a lot of negativity and didn't get much support from our sanctioning body. But when I envisioned this contest, I envisioned a couple of things. Uh, expanded payout, which we have in a lot of contests do now, uh, a level playing field with them cooking the same kind of meat, but something that was lost along the way. And when people talk about it is that it's a limited amount of meat. So everybody's cooking three racks of ribs, two butts, nine thighs and in one brisket. And it really does. You got to make your box, especially, you know, people that are cooking five and six butts now kind of make sure that they can build a box with two butts, which shouldn't be hard, but it adds to the challenge. And so, and the last one was that it would be a private event because generally barbecue contests aren't great community events. Sure. And we've gone into why too many times, but so it, the first couple of years we had an alternating between this RV park where we had to feed the snowbirds from the RV park. And then we had it at a country club and we just had to feed the members. Well, we had an early ball this time, which is my, livelihood and my 
life's work uh, company, and um, it was. I thought it was going to either be phenomenal or people would hate it, and it was phenomenal. <laughs> and the one part that was so outstanding is it was truly just us. For and we had a team from Australia, you know, Rohan, the guys came up. We had uh, Pigskin came out for it, and Nine One Three, and Johnny Trigg, and but everybody bonded. There was no chest pump, and it was. Um, and I think part of it might have been re- set off by the fact we knew we were remembering our good friend Matt. Mm-hmm. But um, you know. Sterling, don't read your text messages while you're on the phone with me. Don't read your text messages. Pay attention. Come on. I'm not. I'm actually yeah, right. looking at your phone number, trying to figure out how many times I've talked to somebody from Cleveland. <laughs> I got to be the no, only but guy. No, it was a right? private, private contest. Um, and, and I think that really worked it. But we had a great um, – uh, we cooked a – whole bunch of Smithfield sliders, the pork sliders, the Italian sauce ones, and we had Dodger dogs. And, mm. you know, this was um, a great sponsorship by Smithfield. Uh, they they really gave everything we needed. Uh, Nella was awesome with Snake River and uh, cooking Snake River brisket. So that thing went awesome, and I can't wait for the next one. Do you uh, – I know we've talked about it in the past, especially when it was unveiled that there was – an idea, I don't know how realistic it really was, that maybe this style of competition, whether they were going to use the name Smithfield or, you know, like franchise it off or whatever, use the concept and disseminate it across the country so you could have uh, a reduced cost competition. Everybody's going to be using the same meats. There's no electricity. There's deeper payouts, all the stuff that we've just kind of glossed over here at the top of this. We really haven't seen a lot of these go across the country. Is it? I mean, obviously, putting on an event is hard, right? But is it something that you think you are going to be the the only guy that's putting these on going forward? Do you still think that it could catch on and this could be a wave of uh, more popular competitions in the future? No, no, I I never said it would be something national. I said we could have a few of them. They're too hard to do, and um, I think our meat was phenomenal this time. But I always think it's pretty good, and you always have guys who have a complaint about their brisket being too small or something. And, you know, there's two times somebody's complained about their brisket at the guinea pig, and both times they won brisket. <laughs> so I think that's kind of fun. Actually, three times in Kansas City, too. But, um, no, they're too hard to do. I think i got to remind people that wasn't trying to replace barbecue. wasn't trying to replace KCBS. But the idea that we can do something different once in a while should be easier to accept than this was. But there is a recurring so, theme of the cost of competition, and I think you hear more and more people saying, hey, or or you when you run across somebody that's gotten out of it, and you say, why do you get out of it? They say, oh, it's just too much. I feel like I have to keep up with the Joneses, or I feel like I have to spend X amount of money in order to give myself a best shot, and this seems like an alternative that you can still go out and do what you want to do, but it's 425 bucks. For everything, instead of two hundred fifty bucks for the entry fee, and then all of a sudden you're in twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred bucks for a contest. Well, it's four fifty, and you need you really need sponsors to step up a lot, a lot. And as it is, the same sponsors are sponsoring everything. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think yeah. it's going to be. Uh, look, just what I'd like people to do when something new comes along is, you know, if you want to cook it, fine. If not, 
We didn't take anything away. We didn't take your birthday away. Right. You know, it's just another contest. Look, we're going to be doing another one uh, that I'm working on, and it's it's called the 10 by 10. And we actually get 10 by 20, but there's no trailers. There's no power. And it's it's a contest you get to at 6 in the morning, and the, the turn-ins are at 5. One it's day. something different. Yeah. Wow. For, but, you know, it's, I'm not trying to replace anything. I'm just trying to add some spice and some variety. But also, at the same time, I'm trying to find some models that might mm-hmm. have legs, too, if somebody else wants to do them. But uh, the idea of being able to get to a contest on a Saturday morning and drive home at 7 or 8 with, you know, with your limp, with your pickup that has your drums or your Weber or your whatever, I think is, is fun. The biggest thing that's got to happen is people got to understand the power is too expensive, and especially how much power a contest requires now. Because if you got an RV, you got a toy hauler. I mean, we have con- we have teams that need seventy four feet <laughs> when they cook my event. Wow! And you know they they need fifty amps. So really, the key is you got to. I think you're going to see more and more contests. Put the, put instead of putting the money in the generator, going to put it into the prize pool. Sterling Ball from Big Papa Smokers joining me here on the show. Uh, Sterling, one of the other things that I know you're kind of championing or, or passionate about is like the uh, the cooking for kids or, or getting youth involved. Well, cooking for kids is separate. What what you try and do? You got a brand ambassador program that I like to have, and each one of these teams, it's twelve this year. You know, the, the elite team got retired because most of the original cooks. To quit cooking, whether it's big teas, um, tippy, or Hippie, yeah. pig skin just rarely cooks. And and so it was time to change it up and what I wanted. I just wanted something that really focused on the fact that we were using good teams where we asked them to select a local charity, and then they compete amongst each other for season-ending money. I mean, this last year, Brad Leninger won $8,500 for his charity, and Tim won 8500 and I think um, Darren Worth has won so much, Darren and Sherry, and they always match whatever they win. So this year, this year's teams, and it's called Cooking for Kids, and that's all it's called, okay? And we have um, Iowa Smoky D's, and they're cooking for Pinky Square, which is uh, a childhood cancer uh, in Iowa that helps the families. And with, with financial and emotional support with Porky Butts in Nebraska with Play Smart. It's a nonprofit that helps underserved middle school students realize their academic life through sports. We have Lucky Q, uh, who are going through Bo's Beautiful Blessings, which are a charity for uh, people with epilepsy, brain abnormalities, and intellectual disabilities, as well as those who may suffer from providing from them by providing financial support. Um, you have Tim Shear and uh, Terry with Grace's Place Crisis Nursery for abused uh, children and their families. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Steve Hayden, who just won in Nashville, uh, the Ronald McDonald House of Central Illinois, and it, it's a supportive place for families to stay while their kid is receiving medical care. Yep. Okay. And then you've got David and Christine Qualls with um, Cape Kids. Uh, which is a great uh, foundation 
where it improves the uh, experience of kids that are in hospitals. And my son Casey spent years in the hospital. So this one really uh, stuck with me. Um, and then we have uh, uh, Old Virginia Smoke, Luke Darnell, and the Little General, and they're raising for um, Journey for a Cure, which is a Bobbins, Virginia. It's a pediatric cancer foundation committee find ways to finding ways to fund research uh, and awareness about the realities of pediatric cancer. You got the awesome chicken and grinning guys in Minnesota, yeah. and they've got the Crisis Nursery of Wright County, which is the local thing that offers mental health services to families struggling with child's mental health issues. Okay, you got Bit by Bit, uh, which is a uh, little pig town, and this is a, a, a equine therapy hmm. for kids with disabilities. And Bailey Key actually works there, volunteers. Um, after then we have uh we're almost done here we have um donnie bray tracy bray one of my favorite families in barbecue yep. kentucky they're doing the children's heart foundation which funds uh research to advance diagnosis and treatment and prevention of congenital heart defects you have my brisket cartel buddy ernest cervantes and he's cooking for the izzy project which is an anti-bullying campaign uh, for schools, and then Fred Robles, back-to-back -back IBCA and also Brisket Cartel, yep. uh, he's cooking for the Children's Advocacy Center of Hidalgo County, which is also helping abused and neglected kids. Mm. So this is a way where we can really take some some barbecue success and convert it into some really much-needed money for uh, regional charities around the country. And we can focus on the fact that we're helping charities and it's not getting lost for whatever reason, and I think it was, and I kind of agree with you on that, with uh, that BPS elite team situation, and, and I think that's a sad thing because there was a lot of great money going, jeez, there was a lot of great money going to a lot of great children's charities. You know what? I people, can't, I don't even want to talk. Yeah, people I don't, you know, listen, I mean, we got a jar of energy in our chest and we can decide every day how to use it, and I really don't want to talk about any of that. I mean, there's people that aren't going to like this. So yep, I just, yep, yep. you know, what I realize is that, you know, I think that we've got to have fun and barbecue. I think that we've got to make good friends. I think we've got to share it with our family. And I think that we should try, if at all possible, to, to have somebody receive some benefit from it. Uh, Sterling, can I hold you over for another segment? Yes. All right. Hold on one second. I'll be right back with you. I'm going to talk to everybody about the Barbecue Guru quickly. And then we will return with the pitmaster of Big Pop Smoker's Sterling Ball. Talk about uh, his current and upcoming 2018 competition schedule, amongst some other things. Hey, uh, the folks at the Barbecue Guru have always believed that outdoor cooking should be easy because it can be, especially with a couple new things. How about one? The Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition Grill and the CyberQ Cloud Controller. First, here's the grill. The Monolith, the world's first temperature-controlled smoker with a built-in power draft fan. This means smarter control, greater freedom with automatic temperature control systems. Easily choose your cooking time and temperature and let the Monolith do the work of a sous chef or a barbecue pit master. With minimal effort, you now have oven-like precision at the grill and you can serve the tastiest 
juiciest meals each and every time you use that cooker. Now, here's like a side benefit. If you have been a fan of the Barbecue Guru, if you decide to go ahead and purchase that monolith grill, which again has the draft fan built into the cooker, if you have a controller that you already like, you don't have to buy a new controller in order to use this monolith grill. You can just hook up your controller. It'll operate the fan. Away you go. Now, if you want some new technology, you might have to look at upgrading into a controller at that point. But out of the box, if you have a Guru controller, you can hook it up to this fan and away you go. Plus, that monolith comes with a whole bunch of really cool accessories that some of those other ceramic cookers don't come with. Hit up the website, bbqguru.com or call them 800-288-GURU. That's uh, 1-800-288-GURU. And make sure that you ask them any questions so they can make sure you're set up and ready to go when that box shows up. Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. And we are back with Sterling Ball right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Hey, this portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect to Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard fully integrated with both and learning new skills constantly. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com. That's fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. All right, we're talking with Sterling Ball for Big Papa Smoker. Sterling, appreciate you hanging with me through the break there. Uh, 2018, yeah, go ahead. Well, Greg, one thing you were asking me about guinea pigs, and I'd be remiss. Uh, the Smithfield yeah. Classic is returning to the East Coast, hmm. and it's in September. But this is in Richmond at the Richmond Raceway, but that's the other guinea pig uh, format, and that's coming up in September. And Tuppy's going to be kind of our our host there since it's in his hometown. Yep. And it, so the Smithfield Classic is really going to be a lot of fun. I, we enjoyed going back there last year, too. Uh, and there may even be an auto invite to King of the Smoker again. Ooh, all right. I was just going to ask about that. And then, uh, so you can, where do you go to, to sign up for that? Well, you can get the information on KCBS. Uh, we're turning it in this week. So check next week and you'll get uh, the information. But it's, it's going to be fun at the Richmond Speedway. That's a fun spot. All right. So uh, dovetailing nicely into the current 2018 season, you know, typically you're uh, a guy who is finishing up. Uh, right near the top of those overall team of the year point standings here over the last handful of years, Sterling. And uh, you're not a guy that will sit there and press, you know, 35, 45 competitions like some of these other guys. And yet you're right there at the top competing each and every year. What does the current 2018 schedule look like for you? What have you got in the pocket so far? And and what does the schedule look like currently on the outlook? It looks like forced early retirement. (laughs) I mean, it, 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 I, 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 we went to Denver and, uh, Brad, the world's greatest cook, Blaine wanted me to say that, uh, uh, beat us there. We got reserve and, uh, that was January 6th. We cooked in Bullhead City, January 19th. We haven't cooked, uh, we're cooking, uh, March 23rd at Santa Anita. But the interesting thing is even having to go to Colorado, 
Um, on May 25th, I'll get to cook my sixth contest. Wow. And it, it really looks like, um, and we don't, we have four bungs for the jack, and it, it's going to be really hard to get out of qualify again, which is, you know, nobody, it's not a, I mean, it's really a nice achievement to do, but, you know, usually, you know, when we started, there were so many contests in the, in the winter and, and spring in California and Arizona, and it's just, they're gone. So, and a lot of contests I'm cooking, I really didn't used to cook and didn't want to cook, but I got to cook, but I have, I think I have 17 and that includes, uh, both of the Royals and that's only not cooking one contest that's within eight hours of me. It's just, it's out here. It's a little tough right now. I don't know if I have these figures absolutely correct, but I believe when you look at and I love to go back through the numbers, uh, you're a big numbers guy. You help me out with some of these things as well. But when you go back and look through the numbers, obviously we know uh, if you're going to put in that marathon season, you can win KCBS team of the year. You're cooking 35, 40 weekends like a Travis Clark or a Tim Shearer, a lot of these guys. You're not typically a guy that's going to do that, as I had mentioned before. But if you look at a segment of 25 cooks or less, I don't know if there's been a better cook than you here over the last couple of years. Well, maybe if those guys only cook 25, they would be, you know, listen, Travis <laughs> is a tremendous cook. Sure. And, and, and those, those guys are great cooks. And I just, you know, I guess I could cook if I really wanted to, but I, you know, I still have other businesses and, you know, I, I, I made and released a record that's being promoted right now. And I got, you know, I just, uh, I'm working with Tabasco and Smithfield and we've got a lot of other things going on besides I still design guitars for a living. Right. So at 25 weeks is what I want to do is the most. And we were, we were fortunate enough. And I got to say we, because James, the flame Perez, my partner, who was, you know, if James quit, I'd quit. I love James Perez. He's just the kindest, hardest working and, uh, most collaborative. I just, I can't say enough great, great things about James, but we've been lucky enough in the 25 or fewer to be first. But there, you don't get anything from it, maybe a pack of gum. But for three years, yeah. we've, we've done that. All right, so... You, and we finished sixth, third, and fifth in KCBS. And you're not seeing, at this point, 25 cooks on your schedule this year? No. Okay. No, I can't. It just, just doesn't work out because... You know, once the summer starts, I, I actually have a good stretch uh, out here. But it's and then the fall, it, it kind of dies again. You know, contests are, are going away, and we talk about that all the time. I don't really want to talk about it because we'd be a dead horse meat. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's kind of a double joke there. No, I get uh, it. I love it. But you know, I would like. I, I'd love to cook uh, twenty five though, and hopefully, hopefully next year I can. But this year, it's just there, there aren't contests. I mean, I think it looks like we just lost Long Beach. I mean, it's not official, but, you know, we go back to two or three years ago. We had we were cooking in Huntington Beach on the sand in August. We had Newport Beach on the bay. Uh, we had Dana Point, which is was our masters, yeah. and Long Beach on the, on the next to the Queen Mary, and all those contests are gone now. Is it just a tr is it just normal attrition, lack of interest? Oh, I mean, that's a lot of. Well, I don't think that. Well, I I think that the charities aren't re getting the return they need for yeah. the exposure. Uh, I think it's hard to be a national national promoter. 
I, I just think that, you know, eventually something will happen where maybe a, an adjustment to the model happens. But right now, I mean, it's just, you know, no promoters, no, no teams are getting rich and no promoters getting rich. Okay. And so most of the promoters are one off. They're doing it for the charity and realizing they can probably make more money if they had a craft beer night. But enough about that. I mean, I'm still going to cook some really nice places and um, I'm going to see my friends and I'm going to have a lot of fun. But I, I just, you know, I'm going to be down about seven or eight contests. Sterling Ball from Big Papa Smokers joining me here on the show, BigPapaSmokers.com, the website. Uh, Sterling, I wanted to, to close out with you here this evening and recap. And if people were following Big Papa Smokers on Instagram here over the, the past weekend, you were like in the midst of one of the coolest live fire cooking events I've seen in recent memory. It was in Mexicali, Mexico at the, I believe it was called the Parilla Fest or something along those lines. So uh, talk to me a little bit about the whole event, uh, what you were doing down there specifically and, and how you saw that whole thing unfold. Well, uh, there's Baja folks, a team that, that uses a lot of our stuff and Steph's stuff. And they um, pretty much are selling a lot of BPS down there. And, uh, the the charity that runs the Priya Fest was I was honored to be invited to be the special guest for this event and you know it 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 works it's a great food deal but the Rotary Club works a charity to to fix kids with cleft palate uh, and they do a really good job of it but they hooked me because I'm really really enamored with uh, Malman and Argentina style cooking I'm just got some new cookers in the backyard that, you know, the Perea and all that stuff. And, the, and so the fact that they invited me to something where some of those Argentinians would be cooking. And then there's this Mexican cook that cooks the whole cow. And then there was a guy doing uh, sides of cow on the trusses. And there was a whole bunch of whole hog. And I was just fascinated. And I looked at the video from last year and it just looked like the greatest contest. And we went down there you know, the BPS girls and um, James and I, and it was just outstanding. And, you know, there's a lot of things they do different. Number one, there was only 17 teams, but the SMP, which is their version of KCBS, you could turn in a chicken, a pork, and a beef dish. Well, it's presentation judging, and it's very creative. I mean, one pork dish, somebody had made, you know, masa, which is what they make tortillas out of, masa waffles, with pulled pork that was woven in with some uh, belly and chunk with some uh, pork fried, drum fried cracklins, okay? And there were just some, un- it wasn't eight slices, some burn-ins and six thighs and call it good. It was some crazy good oven roasted uh, smoked <laughs> vegetables with whole chickens. And the things they did were so creative. But here's the deal, it's $45. And in Mexicali, that's an expensive ticket. Wow. But it includes all your food and all your alcohol. And they, they've got a vibrant wine scene down there in Baja. And then they had the Mexican craft brewers and the big beers. And so it was all your food. And the other thing is these teams don't cook with power. And they've got all these great Argentinian cookers and then drums and uh, truss cooking and open fire cooking. But part of their score is based on the people's choice. So... Uh, they all cook for the people. And so they may be cooking something different than what they turn into the judge, but there were actually really good bands. Um, uh, 
It was just, it was like a great, great food festival. And I, I had a blast and I'm going again. I, and, but you know, we can't do it here because our health department wouldn't let us serve the, the kind of food they serve, you know, and, and in the kind of servings. I mean, we, we do, you know, we charge somebody $2 for a rib and $2 for a little thimble full of pulled pork. And these guys are all, they're really making the crowd happy. And, you know, they capped it at 1500 and I think they had 2000 and they turned away 500 Wow. So they, they made a lot of money for their charity, but it, uh, it, just look it up. It's a la Perea Fest in Mexicali. And it, it was really neat to go and, and, and see those guys in the, all the Mexican cooks were super fun and super friendly and their awards. They're not given checks. They're given little grills out and the guys are all on the stage and it was really fun. How do, how do you get a whole cow up on one of those? I mean, is there like rope and pulley and all that? I mean, that's gotta be a huge undertaking. Um, well, <laughs> I didn't get there for the cow loading, but I can guess it's probably about four or five guys and they lay it down and it's splayed open and they tie it you know, on all fours and then a few other places they weave through. And I was talking to the guy and I said, so what's your temperature? And he looked at me and goes, hey, no temperature. <laughs> we feel this. We know the heat. Wow. You know, you idiot. Why would you think about temperature? And I walked over and I put my hand under the grate. And what it is is there's two layers of brick. And then in each four corners are open fire. <laughs> and it radiates towards the center. And the bricks radiate the heat. And I put my hand under it. And I counted five exactly the time I used for Santa Maria cooking. Hmm. So their feel and their their system, I think, just naturally gives it the perfect temperature. From a like a tastes perspective, uh, or or a flavor profile perspective, is it similarish to what you're used to, or are they not as over the top with flavors? Oh, I think they use different flavors. Um, and you know there was there was some traditional American barbecue flavors, but really a lot of a lot of more dried peppers and stuff, uh, some really more complex ones. Uh, and their smoke tended to be a little bit heavier. Um, and I think it's the things they're cooking on. But you know, I I tasted a lot of the food that got turned in. I was up on the um, judging. I don't know how the judges eat all the food though. It was amazing, and and they were all skinny. Well, they're probably out there being active, and this is like a, a reward for being active. You get to judge. I'm gonna have to get you. I'm gonna have to get you down there, Rimpy. Yeah, I would fit right in. Are are there um are there a lot of these competitions? There's some. There's one coming up that, that are actually Mark Lambert's uh, doing in Monterey oh, wow. with the Sweet Swine of my team, and the team that wins the Monterey one at 73 teams uh, gets an auto invite into Memphis in May. Hmm. So if you guys are at Memphis in May and you see the Mexican team, they're just whoever it is is going to be the coolest guys you run into. And they're going to be able to and, cook, uh, uh, the, cook the way they would normally cook? You know, I don't know what they're going to do. Because yeah. I don't know how that would be received. <laughs> I can tell you from a, from a food guy standpoint, these guys were really good cooks yeah. and bo- really chefs. These, these weren't things where you take two classes and, and bully on the internet. These are these are people who are really very creative with a very good touch and have cooked a lot in their lives. You can tell. Sterling, can I ask you one Facebook question that I got from you, and then I'll let you go? Yeah, yeah. Justin Hancock asked me, 
What's the best thing you can do to up your competition game other than taking a class? I think that's a pretty good question. Okay, taking the class is good, but here, here's what happens. I don't care what you do. You've got to understand that when you're into something, that everything's important, okay? And sometimes people forget that little tidbit. But it's also making sure that what you do is very um, – is very you can repeat it okay and we take notes of every practice and every cook i've posted pictures of those books before and we go back and james we have five full books of of notes of, about how we cook the four different meats i think it's really important to make sure that you've got a great timeline that you understand what what done feels like okay mm-hmm. and um I think it, it's people get wrapped up. You look at I sell flavor, okay? I sell rubs and stuff, but everybody will tell you it's a tenderness game. But once you get it tender, then the um, then the temperature comes. You know, then the flavor profile comes. You know, but uh, I think I think understanding what that feeling like is when it's done. And being able to deliver that time in and time out, and that's by making sure you've got a control over what you're doing. And um, I, the great cooks I know pretty much do the same thing at the same time. Look, I weigh everything I cook, okay? The chicken thighs all weigh the same. My pork butts all weigh the same. My briskets weigh the same. It doesn't matter whether I'm at the American Royal or, or at um, Santa Anita. Every piece of meat I cook is always the same weight. Um, but I, I guess so. I would tell you that, man, you got to pay attention to everything because it's also gotten so competitive. And now with this ridiculous uh, judging scene, see, I got that shot in on Casey Gills. They've tightened it up so much so where you can get a 172 and be 28th in a category. Right. Um, so, I mean, I'm just everything's important. Know what tender feels like and take good notes. Sterling Ball is a pitmaster of Big Papa Smokers competition team. And of course, the uh, online presence as well, bigpapasmokers.com. Sterling, always appreciate the time, my friend. Thanks so much. I'll see you in Texas this week. All right. There we go. Your words. You said it. I'm not. You said it. I'm not going to be there. Oh. I'm going to be playing golf. <laughs> I'll see you. Okay. See you later. There he is. Uh, Sterling Ball. Uh, see, I I wasn't going to say it. All but... guests appear via the Traeger Grills come hotline. On. Come on, <clears throat> Sterling. You come to National Barbecue. <clears throat> you know you want to be at NBBQA. More than anyone you want to be there. That's that's your those are your people. Get into some more distribution, all the fun stuff. I'll get in touch with you uh, offline. We'll, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit more. Sterling Ball, Big Papa Smokers, BigPapaSmokers.com. Let me talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills. Some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. Three different sizes to choose from right now. If you want big as big gets, Jim Bowie is the one you want to look at. Great capacity, ease of use. Same thing goes for the Daniel Boone one step down. Not as big as the Jim Bowie. I'll get to why those two are important here in a second. Now, if you are an ultimate tailgater or you like to be a little bit more flexible as far as being able to take things with you, I'm not saying that you can't take the Jim Bowie or Daniel Boone with you if you have a pickup truck. You can do that. But if you have a car or you have a sport utility vehicle and you just don't have a ton of space, then you might want to consider the Davy Crockett. It also has the ability to plug into your 12-volt 
in that vehicle. So if you don't have access to the normal plug, you can plug into your 12-volt access in that vehicle, and away you go. It'll run it. Plus, you're not really sacrificing a ton of capacity while being incredibly portable. You can get two or three pork butts on there, depending. You know, maybe you have to TP them to get three there, but you know, definitely a big one, possibly two smaller ones. You can do turkeys, chickens, ribs, obviously. Really great. Now, let me backtrack to what I was talking about with the Jim Bowie and the Daniel Boone. There is this high heat pizza oven insert that you can get right now. It's, I think it's less than 150 bucks. You rip out the guts of either one of those cookers. You set this device right on top of the fire pot. Then you put on the pizza stone. Uh, stone. Then you have a lid or a dome that goes on top of that. That's really kind of the key component, keeping the heat, forcing it right down as it shoots up from that fire pot. And you can get literally up to 1,000 degrees. If you set the cooker at 500, the rule of thumb is double it. That's what it's inside of that pizza oven insert. I like to keep mine 310, 315 at the temperature on the cooker. That's giving me 620, 630 in that pizza stone. I find that to be a little bit more manageable for me. If you want to run the gamut, shoot it up. Get it to 500, get it to 450, you're on 900, 1,000 degrees in there. Make your dough. Pizza's done in a minute. Mine takes three, four minutes. That's fine with me. Again, I like the control of the cooker. Here's what you have to do. Go to GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. And check out all the products offering. Don't forget, they can give you pellets to fire those cookers as well. GreenMountainGrills.com. Longtime supporter of the show. Appreciate Jason Baker and everybody over there. Don't think they're going to be at MBBQA this year, but... Sterling Smith might be there. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, We're back to wrap up the show right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today. Craig Rimpy. All right, welcome back. Thanks again to Sterling Ball from Big Pop Smokers for joining me the last two segments. And his website, BigPapaSmokers.com. Interesting take on, uh, you know, I I think it would be easy for a lot of high-level competitors, and he's certainly a high-level competitor, to come on and want to always talk about what's bad with competition barbecue. And we've certainly had those conversations in the past, but this time around he was very uh, staunch on not getting brought into uh, you know negative conversation. A little bit of constructive criticism here and there, but uh, by and large wanted to stay out of that discussion, which I can certainly appreciate. Uh, because uh, as he said, you can only beat a, a dead horse meat so often. <laughs> Then it just gets old. I mean, you, you got to have ways to fix. You got to have solutions. And uh, he's bringing his to the table. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that want to criticize those. But he's used to it. All right. All the way back in the first hour, Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. We talked about corned beef. We talked about pastrami. We answered some of your Facebook questions. It was live and engaging, as always. And then the second hour, we talked about... The State of Competition Barbecue and the competition schedule in Mexicali. 
barbecue event that Sterling Ball from Big Papa Smokers took place in. Always appreciate his candor and insight in the world of live fire. BigPapaSmokers.com is his website. Uh, I will be starting tomorrow, although there will be no shows tomorrow, but starting Thursday, Friday, Saturday, live shows via Facebook and YouTube from the National Barbecue and Grilling Association's conference. Again, that it's 12 to 3 local central time. I'll also be getting a lot of other outside of the live show stuff, so plenty of stuff that I'll be able to review come next week. And it's a jam-packed show as always. Stephen Reichlin on board, as well as a number of others. So, September 11th, 2001, I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.